evening. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I'm Chris Gardner, owner of the Houston Round Bar Review, co-founder of the Houston Round Bar Review. Joining me is two of the youngsters, the young lions of FTS, Andy Yanez from Paul Slamma Jamma, Community Impact Newspaper, and Less Rage Cougs, and also James Mueller, the state traveler who got back, who was in Lubbock yesterday, and is now back um, in town. He, he talked about this before he started the show. His, he's tired from his, his sojourn, but he's gonna, he's a trooper, he's young, he's got some energy, so he's joining us to talk uh, Cougs. We're gonna recap that. James, since you're tired, I'm gonna give you the floor first, sir. Your initial thoughts on the Houston Cougars loss in Lubbock, what you saw in person. Yeah, I mean, I talked about this a little yesterday on Let's Rage Cougs, but it's, it's again, just the lack of discipline issues. Um, six penalties for 71 yards in the first quarter. That's unacceptable. That took that nullified also a tank Dell touchdown return second straight week, something like that's happened. And then uh, you, 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 once again, you, you, you still have find yourself in a position to win the game and your defense has to hold for 30 seconds. Can't do that. goes to overtime. You're given another golden opportunity, fourth and 20. There's no way you should let that happen. They get it. And Dana was right on in a press conference after. He's like, you know, we didn't deserve to win this game the way we played. And, I mean, there was just way too many mistakes. And, I mean, Houston, Houston still, this was – their fifth straight loss to Tech, 10th in their last 11. Something about the Red Raiders, man, that just give the Cougars a problem. But, yeah, that lack of discipline and just self-inflicted wounds were my biggest takeaway because Houston hurt themselves as much as Texas Tech was able to be effective against them. Andy, what are your thoughts on yesterday's loss? Yeah, and adding oh, a little bit of it, uh, a lot of it, doing less rage Cougs, but just your thoughts a day after. No, uh, one thing I did want to add to, to James' accolades about the, the well, the lack of acc- anti-accolades um, when he went about the, the losing streak that Houston has at Texas Tech, but um, uh, something that the FS1 broadcast mentioned right before the game, that Houston has not been a Big 12 opponent going back to 2016, which is a, a very long stretch of not being able to beat a Big 12 opponent. And obviously, of course, the, the, with the big storylines, they're going to be joining the Big 12 conference come next season. So this game certainly didn't do anything to build and instill confidence that Houston is going to be able to compete at the top um, of the Big 12 conference once they do make that move. Um, and yeah, I think now that we're about 24 hours removed from the game, I think really, and especially what, what I got to see from a lot of the, the comments that people made in Let's Rage Cougs, uh, it feels like there's been, it kind of brought up all the, the questions that were around Dana Hogerson and, and Houston uh, before last season, just in terms of, you know, like James mentioned, uh, the, the biggest takeaway of last night's game is that, that Houston just really, really looked undisciplined, especially early on, especially in the first half. First half woes again for the second straight game to start the the year. They fall into 
a two touchdown deficit that they had to claw their way back um, and they had to fight an uphill battle. Now credit to Houston. They, they, they did manage to get back in the game. Credit to the defense that made plays to be able to put them in a position to take the lead late. But then again, inconsistency to go along with that undisciplined uh, because then the defense, even though they managed to play good and keep them in the game, they're not able to come up with a big play at the end of the fourth quarter and overtime they allow them to convert a fourth and 20 um, that, for all intents and purposes, that that's unacceptable. Uh, unacceptable, and it, it, it ended up throwing it short of the sticks. And the Texas Tech player is the one that made the play and, and was able to get that first down. And uh, inconsistency and undiscipline. I think those are the two biggest key takeaways. And I'd be curious to hear uh, more from Dana Holgerson what what he has to say about just the offense overall because they've really been inconsistent. He, he's lasered in on the offensive line, but to be quite frank, I know there was a lot of talk of the receivers, but they haven't really been able to get uh, them going outside of Tank Dell early on either. So those are my biggest takeaways, two games into the season. I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Um, Tony M., thank you for tuning in and folks watching us. Oh, Andy, James, you got to help me do a better job of this. Um, tuning in on our Twitter account as well, Folks Talk Sports. In addition to the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, <clears throat> post game yesterday, Coach Hogerson commented that they coach the players about penalties. You know, <laughs> don't make these third mistakes. Um, there's two weeks in a row about issues not being able to get stopped defensively. Uh, the offensive line struggled again. He said if they don't get a consistent running game, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a long year. He said all those things. Are you, do you take it as him pointing the finger at others? Or he's frustrated and he's just hasn't been able to figure out how to solve these issues? I'll, I'll go first and then I'll, I'll let James follow up but um from my viewpoint and just getting being able to listen to Dana Morrison it's, it's got to be frustration because he acknowledged it um it, it looked like you know if if you could uh have a soundbite of, of the coach that just wanted to throw his hands in the air and then just pull his hair out with how frustrated he is because he did acknowledge it you know hey we we coach this stuff it's not like we're just going into practice and then not focusing in on that but the same mistakes that I keep rearing their ugly heads the inconsistency and it, it's something that Hogerson acknowledged that they have to figure out a way to be able to to change what they're doing because they're not playing win, winning football with something along those lines what he said uh but James I'll let you take it away yeah I think for the most part I think it's frustration I think there's a little bit of you know, the, the players got to be held, do a better job on their part, not making bonehead decisions. Like I think it was the first, it was the, in the first half. I can't remember first or second quarter, but you know, they get stuck on third and 20 and then there's that unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, like things like that um, where the players just, you know, got to do a better job of that. But then also I think, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of struggle on, on his, on his part and the coaching staff's part to find answers because um, they, these lack of this lack of discipline and uh, has been evident the first two weeks. And there wasn't, you, you'd think you'd see some, some signs of improvement um, from week one to week two. You didn't really, you could even say it got a little worse possibly. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to bring in Willie Gibson. He had, this is bizarre. His, I don't know what it was. Hello, sir. In Ohio. How are you, sir? Yeah. You, you age loses and I can't get in. Wonder why. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's strange, you know. We, we had, 
you know, you're the only winner because the Texans had a tie and the Browns won. So, yeah, we tried to exclude you from the whole show. So, I know. You know, that's, that's all. That's what it was, Willie. You know, just <laughs> real talk. I didn't tell Andy or James about it. I wanted to just try to block you from the show. But, <laughs> but you know, I had to resend in the link, and it worked finally. Go figure. But we'll get Mr. Gibson's winning perspective in a second. Um, but back to it. You know, we're, we're touching on it. I'm, 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 I'm not – Picking on Coach Hogerson yet because y'all know I have done that in the past and I probably will do it this season. But it's he's he's the head of the, the snake, he's the coach, he's in charge. If the players are making the same mistakes two consecutive games, either coaches have to do a better job teaching, coaching, explaining, or do they have to play other players who get it? What do you think about that? Andy, James? I mean, yeah, for the most – or go ahead, Andy. No, you, you got it, James. Okay. I was going to say for the most part, like the starting age, we've mentioned this multiple times, is like 22 on on their, you know, combined starters, offense, defense, special teams. So, I mean, you'd think that with the veteran – the amount of veterans they have on that team, the amount of experience that these, these should be the guys that get right. Cause the guys they aren't playing are the younger guys who uh, some of these th- mistakes would be more not, I wouldn't say acceptable cause you know, you don't want to take any, any of these things as acceptable, but understandable, I guess, because they're younger, but these are, these are older veteran guys who are making these mistakes. So that, that really makes me question, you know, sort of, something's got to change in what they're doing in practice, in my opinion, just because it's not like it's all these freshmen, sophomores making these mistakes. It's seniors, sixth, fifth year seniors, COVID year guys, like they, they have all the experience necessary under their belt. And it's still, it's still happening. Andy, what do, what do you say to that? No, I absolutely agree with James. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, not not probably the best phrase to say that in terms of toss-up, but it's kind of a give and take between, you know, who necessarily gets uh, the blame between the coaches and the players. And James actually absolutely made a, a great point in terms of, you know, the age of a lot of those players. And so it's something that Dana Hogerson kind of harped on during training camp where um, heading into the season, he said that this was a, a very veteran team. I think he said that the average age was around 22 um, or something along those lines, which is, you know, one of the oldest teams in all of college football. That's something that especially with the, they had 11 penalties um, total go against them last night for 121 yards. And for the second straight week, it, it, they're not only costing them yards, but it's costing them touchdowns. They wiped away a punt return uh, for Tank Dell. And then those are points, you know, both games go to overtime. If yeah, that punt return doesn't get you know wiped off arguably that's oh that's the difference between uh both games between going overtime and winning and and then starting to cost them and like james said uh with a veteran team you wouldn't expect that as something that they have to polish up and clean up now it's on the coach's responsibility to to figure out what the, co- the entire coaching staff uh coaching staff's responsibility to figure out what what is the issue and get it corrected um and it, Obviously, they haven't had a home opener yet. It kind of took the buzz off the momentum that Houston had had because now all, especially when, obviously, of course, the comments that we had on Let's Rage Cougs, um, all the, the fan forums, um, Coug, fan, Coug fans, and a lot of the other outlets on Twitter and, and group chats, people were just going in. And like I said, it brought up a lot of the concerns that had been raised last, last season. And quite, quite frank, 
And um, a lot of people are questioning whether this team is truly prepared to to compete in a Power Five program or Power Five conference. Could I add one thing, Chris? Yes, sir. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I know we've talked about this a little bit, just you know, play calling and stuff like that. Um, one thing I asked Clayton after yesterday's game was the slow starts. Right? They've they've come up with ten first half points in their first two games, which is a cause for concern. That was a big issue in Dana Holgerson's early years in twenty twenty one. They they turned that around and you know started scoring more in the first half, which was a big reason why. They were able to go 12 and two last year, but we've talked about it just like how conservative they are out of the gates. The play calling has got to change too. You got to take some shots early. You got to do something because you can't just keep sticking with the same thing and expect changes to happen. The offense has been completely absent minus a few plays. um, If you look at, if you look at both, both first halves. And so I think that's another thing, you know, the coaches, that's on Dana Holgerson and his staff. You know, they got to try something new because you can't keep trying to dig yourself out of these double digit holes because you're not going to be able to do what you did to UTSA and come back. And even with Texas Tech, you come back, but it's still draining. And and you see that And over the course of a 12, however many games they end up playing, uh, depending on conference championship bowls like that. It's just it's just not a recipe for success if you're having to dig yourselves out of the hole each game. Yep. Andy. Me and Andy were included in a brief Twitter thread, Twitter rant from a UH fan alum yesterday. Just blasting, just I mean, Will, just blasting the, the conservative play calls by the offense in the first half. This guy went off. I mean, just went off on UH and, and, and the, the lame play calling, the inability or the refusal to go to the tight end, Christian Strahan. I mean, just... The first half, the opening drive in the third quarter. First series, go deep to Tank Dell. None of that was in the Very first, first play, too. <laughs> it was like, oh, they discussed at halftime, you know, maybe we should throw the ball deep. Oh, really? If, if you have, like the national pundits say, one of the most or the most electrifying wide receiver in college football, why not throw the ball down the field? Lo and behold, they did that on the first play of the third third quarter, and it worked. Nice little nudge by you know Tank, but hey, they didn't call it. He caught it. It worked. It seems like the coaching staff is taking the first half to feel out the opponent or or just go through the motions. You're on you're on the road. You were a ranked team. You're going to get the other team's best shot. You got to meet that aggression with, with aggression. So, I mean, this passivity was just, I mean, it's just weak. We'll see if it changes. I want to get all three of you guys on this thought. Uh, Cougs open there, have a home opener this Saturday against Kansas. Kansas, who beat West Virginia. We saw one betting line, Will. Cougs favored by nine over Kansas. I don't, I don't I'm not a gambler. <laughs> But damn it, I might take those nine points, man. Well, Andy James, what do you think about Cougs being favored by nine over Kansas? Cage coming off a win, and the Cougs coming off a loss. Uh, what I would say to that is don't sleep on last Leopold. I'm just saying. Don't do it. James, Andy, nine points. Cage getting nine. Yeah, I mean – I still think UH will win by double digits. I would take if I was a betting man, I'd take UH really? too. But uh, they Kansas is a much better team than 
uh, they're not they're they've shown signs of turning things around. They're not the same old Kansas that they've been. There's still a lot of work to be done, but they shouldn't be taken lightly. And it's crazy to think coming into this game, if you were to tell me before the season that one of the two teams would be two and zero, I guarantee you ninety eight percent of people would be like UH is the two and zero team, but it's Kansas. Andy, what would you do? Would you take those nine points? Oh, and James, how confident are you, James, with uh, Coos winning by double digits? How confident are you? Know where I'm leaning, James. How confident are you? I'll guarantee it. Oh, oh, oh. guarantee. Y'all heard it. Okay, y'all heard it. JDM2186 Twitter. I'm going to put that up there as well. <laughs> James Mueller, sports editor for the Daily Cougar. I gotta really make a note of that. Now he's, 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 he's getting confident in, in, his, in his work. Okay. 16, 16 minute mark. I gotta make a note of that for the video and the, in, the, in the week as that goes. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, honestly, I, I probably tend to agree with James. Um, and, and what I'm, I'm more curious about um, is the week leading up to it because, like I mentioned, it, it certainly seemed, especially with you know, the talk going in. Uh, Texas Tech, for all intents and purposes, they're not a team that is expected to compete for the Big 12 championship this season. Now, lo and behold, they could end up you know, surprising people. But th- that's probably the most um, demoralizing thing about the loss, that, that, that Texas Tech is not who are going to be the premier programs in the Big 12, and Houston just can't beat them. And when if So I feel like this team's going to be motivated. I feel like they'll certainly be uh, much more locked in and maybe the veteran leadership will, will finally, you know, kick in and and they'll look like a team again at home, the home opener that have that buzz. But I I don't think they're at a point where you can guarantee anything uh, with the Houston team when it comes to the nine point spread. But if I had to lean one way, I lean towards James, not leaning enough to, to guarantee it. Um, but I'm going to be interested to see what how the Houston fan base reacts and shows up uh, on Saturday uh, at 3 p.m. kickoff again, which is which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's a question. Yes, sir. If Texas Tech isn't expected to be one of the premier teams in the Big 12 and Houston can't beat them, what's so confident about Kansas or going into the future of the Big 12? Yeah, I, I think the Cougs will be lucky, will be fortunate – to be competing, battling for the middle of the Big 12 when they join. Okay, they're not the top tier. I just don't see it. I Everybody knows who knows me, who's followed FTS. I am not a fan of Dana Hogerson. Okay, his track record, I think, proves that he's not worthy of this blind faith that some folks give him. So, I think they'll be competing for Hell, hopefully fourth place, five, six, seventh place in the Big 12 annually. You know, AD and the president say we are going to the Big 12 to compete for championships. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. And as a UH alum, not media, UH alum, I hope it happens. I'm just not confident that it's going to happen under this man as head coach. Andy, I'm with you. I think the Cougs should beat KU this Saturday, but I'm nowhere leaning as confident as James in James is with the nine points. I would not be shocked if Kansas wins the game. I think Houston should win. It's a home game. The crowd should be hyped. James was bold enough yesterday. He did not believe the game is going to be a sellout. 
which is disappointing. But you know. Fine, I agree. I agree with him on that point, especially after after last week's performance. Um, doesn't seem like there's a lot of buzz for the game. And like I sent y'all a Twitter thread too. Like yeah, someone commented on me. They were like, "Because like the typical schedule for a power or a power five, a, a non conference is one power five in FCS and a group of five. That's pretty typical." But they're like, right. "You know, UH needs to schedule a lot better if they want fans." And I'm like, "If you want to, if you truly care about UH, you'll come see UH, like we've talked about, rather than just right. the opponents." And so that we're still getting concerns about that. That gives me like that. That makes me very weary to be like, yeah, they're gonna show up this Saturday. I think it will be about average, like it was last year. And, and plus, and, and it'll be three o'clock. It's gonna be hot. <laughs> so some folks are like, "Ooh, it's too hot." Chris, Andy, James, Will. Oh no, I just watch it on TV. <laughs> yep, we're gonna get that too. Yeah, but some people have already have already commented that um, it's gonna be it's gonna be too hot to to go out and support Houston, which is uh, interesting kind of mindset of where the, the fans are at. But, okay, one more time. James Mueller. Guarantee! That the Cougs will cover the nine, as of today, the nine points and beat KU by double digits this Saturday. Yeah, okay, James, I won't we'll, – we'll make fun of you, but we won't hate on you or anything like that if it doesn't happen. <laughs> but there he is again on Twitter, James Mueller. At JDM2186, he guarantees the Cougs will win by double digits. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just having fun today, James. It's all love, but just Big Ten schools aren't allowed to play FCS schools. Just wanted to put that out there. Okay, well, I'm, a group I'm, of five at least. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's a different league. I'm picking. I mean, I know, I, I'm, oh no, Will's point. Both points are valid. But my issue about that AD Chris Pesman, Vice President of Athletics, Chris Pesman, the what what do we call it? The group of five opponent, even though going forward, that's going away too, you know, supposedly. He wants to play Rice every year. Mm-hmm. Why? And I say that I know Rice is a local team. Rice doesn't draw worth a damn. Okay, their football attendance is anemic. I mean, it. I mean, that's not. There can't be much, much, much money to be made playing rice in football annually. I, uh, I don't. I don't I like mean, that either. Go ahead, James. I get the say? regional. Ma- I get like the regional part. Like, but why not UTSA or SMU or you know another Texas team that will yeah. at least draw a little more hype um, and excitement. Agreed, and more fans will be there, more fan support could help the, the gate, more revenue. If it's more UTSA fans, well, then more UH fans need to come to the game, whatever. But Rice, and that's that's reality. I mean, Rice folks know they don't draw well for, for football. I'm not sure what the attendance was for Rice's win yesterday at home over McNeese, but it could, it could have been 15,000. He'll lift 10, you know. And we talk about the coups against Kansas. I think the Cougs are going to struggle against Rice unless they clean up their mistakes and get more discipline. Rice, their offense is, is sound, okay? They're not talent-wise nowhere near the Cougs, okay? But I think they're going to score some points against UH and make some UH fans wonder, man, we're struggling against Rice? Man, what is this going to look like going into the Big 12? Things like that. But – 
fellas. At least we're not Aggies. <laughs> At least we didn't spend $1.5 million and lose at home to App State. Well, I gave one of my friends so much grief. She's, she, <laughs> she refused. I was like, why are you sending me this stuff? You know, I really hate you right now. I'm like, I do it because I care. <laughs> I had so much fun watching the Aggies lose at home yesterday. But kudos to Jimbo Fisher's agent getting that money. Because Jimbo Fisher, Florida State fans could tell you how much Jimbo Fisher left that program in shambles. But the Aggies still give him boatloads of money. Has he signed a new extension today? I mean, because that's how it seems to work. You know, Jimbo <laughs> has one one win, and let's give more money because he didn't. He what did he do to deserve the extension he got? He beat Bama. Ooh, then what else? But I'm making fun of the Aggies because it's it's just it's so easy to do after they got run over yesterday. App State had the ball what twice as long two more. Twice it was like 40, as they did. 41 minutes, 42, yeah. yeah. All that talent, all that five-star talent, all that money invested in those, the best recruiting class, what was it, ever? Yeah, that's what I heard. Ever? Yeah. And then on top of that, spend $1.5 million <laughs> to take that L to App State. <laughs> and how about this, guys? The Sun Belt, App State, is probably – in the lead, if not Marshall, for that New Year's Six Bowl. Not a team from the American. What are your thoughts on that, Commissioner Resco? <clears throat> Andy James will have at him. This is interesting, man. Um, and not only that, to add insult to injury, uh, next week Texas A&M was host, is hosting Miami. And everyone just – it was a – foregone conclusion college game day was coming nope not only they're not coming they're going to app state how about that to put Detroit app state game so adding insult to injury come on that not not only they're not coming to college station they're going to boone north carolina to see the team that just beat you james andy i don't even know where boone north carolina is (laughs) but what do you what do you guys think thoughts on app state being probably in the driver's seat to represent the group of five and New Year's Bowl. James, you'll take it. Or go <laughs> ahead. If you want to go first, go ahead. No, I, I guess it, who would have seen that coming when, when the schedule came out? I'll tell you the, the person that looks like a genius right now is, and I can't remember his name, the Fox Sport analyst that said that Texas A&M was overrated um, heading into the season. Yeah. yeah but, <laughs> but he had the coups eighth. <laughs> well, yeah, so he was, he was off yeah. on that point, but he was right about Texas A&M, and uh, uh, I, I agree with you, Chris, and, and then when it comes to giving coaches extensions off of arguably that Alabama win is what gave him that extension, yeah. um, so I don't Oh, a lot of these athletic programs, you, you kind of scratch your head in hindsight with some of the decisions they make. But if you're uh, Appalachian State, um, kudos for them for being able to pull off the upset that they did and, and being able to control now that they are in the driver's seat to, to be as a group of five program that, that represents in the New Year's Six Bowl. Um, man, who would have, that, there's not really much words you can say. Like, who would have thought that in the beginning of the season? 
Um, for me, in a perspective, I just go back and I just focus on the, the, the opportunity that, that Houston's kind of – it's still early in the season, so who knows how the rest of the year plays out. But uh, Houston, Houston, I don't know. James, what are you going to say about the Aggies, App State? And we got more upsets to talk about too. So, and yeah. then we'll get to the I'm, Willie Gibson, the Browns. For group of five, I'd put Marshall a little ahead just because they're two and zero, and the win in South Bend. But what what was hilarious to me about the App State win is this team they played North Carolina really well, but they gave up sixty three points. Texas A&M's offense basically only accounted for seven because yeah. the other seven were a kickoff return. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Jimbo didn't try something new at quarterback because it clearly wasn't working. And even uh, King wasn't didn't even look that great in their opener against Sam Houston, even though they won easily. Um, but it's just hilarious to me that, you know, they go from scoring, giving up 63, they score 61, and then A&M's offense can only – put up seven against an app state defense that just, you know, gave North Carolina points at will. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And app state's offensive line owned line of scrimmage owned. I mean, again, they show those ratings, five-star, four-star ah, mean nothing. I mean, their O-line just pushed the Aggies around Time possession was it 41 to 8 19? I mean, who does that against a supposed big power program? But oh man, I, like I said, I had so much fun yesterday sending the pictures, clips to the Aggies, my Aggie friends. I got on the nerves. Oh well, because what is it, Will? Through the first 50 games as head coach at yeah. Texas AM, Jimbo Fisher, 35 of 15. Kevin Sumlin, Sumlin, 36 and 14. Yep. But I digress. Hey, I digress, you know. But talking about money to burn, Scott Frost, Nebraska. Mm. <laughs> man, man, oh, man. They got love beat by Georgia Southern. He gets fired today, and he's still going to pay his full buyout of million dollars in spite if they had waited three weeks until October 1st it would have gone on to 7.5 million Scott Frost take a bow man your agent take a bow too man bravo I mean agents these two Scott Frost agent and Jimbo Fisher are they the same person I mean whatever y'all earn your money you earn your percentage because your clients are getting paid Almost stealing. <laughs> hey, but all four of us in the same situation, I saw some of the Cornhusker fans say Scott Frost should get some that money back. The hell you say? <laughs> what? what? Are, you, are you kidding me? They fired him. They gave him the contract. He showed up to work today. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I want my money. I mean, shame on him if he cares about Nebraska, like he says, he claims he went there as an alum. He should get some of the money back. Oh, my gosh, people, please. Okay. But, Andy Jans, just your thoughts on Scott Frost and Nebraska choosing to pay him the full buyout of $15 million today. Yeah, I mean, my first thoughts were, you know, 
Yeah, you know the Coach O story that surfaced recently, you know, about like when they were like, when you want me to leave, he's getting the full money. I think Scott Frost was the same way, you know. <laughs> yeah. He probably knew he was gone anyway, I mean, considering how his tenure was like. So he's like, hey, I'd rather be fired today than in three weeks because I'm getting 15 mil out of that instead yeah. of, uh, you know, getting that cut. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's – I don't I don't understand from Nebraska's side why I would have just waited a couple more weeks just to save that money because you weren't going to be good anyways. I, I mean, getting rid of Frost now versus three weeks from now isn't going to change much, in my opinion, um, in terms of the team's direction. But, yeah, kudos to Scott Frost. Uh, he, 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 got, he got his payday, and, yeah. Andy, what, what, what do you say? Man, the, the business side of college athletics from – uh, the administration's perspective, how much money there is to not only it, to toss around and be able to invest in guys and who knows how, how long, because it, obviously with Nebraska and, and Scott Frost, that's kind of the headliner right now, but there's going to be multiple coaches throughout this season that end up getting fired at, at similar things. I mean, whether it be, and I guess from putting it to a Houston perspective, I'll toss this out there. Um, it kind of connects with what we were just talking about in the previous segment with Jimbo Fisher. So he got an extension after we probably, I'm sure we'll, we'll argue off the Bama game. Well, Dana Homerson got an extension off the 11 game winning streak off last season schedule. Well, what's the worst case scenario that can happen for Houston this season? And, Obviously, all the high expectations. Five, five and seven. Oh, five and seven would be. Um, but to say, obviously, heading into the season, they're going with all the expectations that they should get back to the American Athletic Conference um, championship game and win, and they should be the ones that are being the representative in the New Year's Six Bowl. Um, if, say, they do bottom out and they do get in five and seven, well, then that extension looks like a very, very bad decision for an admin after – his first year here where he was four and eight, the second year he was three and five. You had the 12 and two season, and then you gave him an extension off that. And then if he gets a, another bad year, lackluster year, decisions, money getting tossed in the air. And a lot of these admins get paid a lot of money to invest in a lot of people that usually don't work out. Well, I'm ask you, do you know if a Nebraska alum is paying this 15 million or is it coming from? University athletic department. I don't know as of yet, but that's what I think happened. I think boosters think more highly on themselves than they ought, and I think them losing the Georgia Southern an FCS school. And oh, by the way, they paid them one point four million to come in and 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 pass that L to them. Yeah, I think that was the final straw. Now, granted, and you look at it, I, and, and Scott Frost knew he knows his contract. He knows they're just waiting till October second to fire him. Yeah. So if I'm getting fired anyway. It's whatever. Yeah. And if you look at it, it's, it's, it's physically irresponsible to me. Yeah. It's physically irresponsible. You have number seven, Oklahoma, this week. So now you send an interim head coach into Norman. You have a bye next week. And then the day you're eligible to fire him for half the money, you play Indiana. So what was the rush? In the, I mean, I. I had this conversation last night during the game when it was 28-28 in the second quarter. And Scott, I'm like, there's no way. They're going to hold on. They're going to hold on. They're going to hold on for that $7.5 million. And they didn't. So 
I mean, God bless him, I guess. Yeah. The right booster made the call. The right booster made the call to Trev Alberts. It was like, we got to make this happen now. And clearly that booster has the money where it's like $15 million, eh, I got that in my sock. You know, yeah. whatever. So, and that's the difference that I think between Nebraska and UH Andy. I'm not sure of any UH booster who, I mean, we're seeing, we're learning about some in the last few weeks, you know, with the Houston Rise campaign. But if the Cougs go five and seven this year, I, I would be stunned if the booster called up Chris Pesman and said, what's it going to take? This man is not the answer for us in the Big 12. I'll pay it. He's got to go. I don't think anybody's going to do that for UH. I'd be stunned. First, I'd be stunned if they go five and seven. You know, if they go five and seven with this this week's schedule, he should be he should be fired. I mean, but but would it be Tillman? Would Tillman do that? Is there somebody else who who could do it? You guys think that would happen? At worst case scenario, that a, another booster would do it. Another bo- another booster? I'm not sure. I think. Do you think Tillman would do it? I think if if anyone were to do it, it would probably be Tillman, especially at the pivotal point that they are right now. Um, and like you mentioned, not not having a, a tough strength of schedule um, in terms of from last year's teams, and even heading into this season doesn't look like, at least from the American Athletic Conference standpoint, certainly looks like the conference is much much weaker uh, this season than it was a year ago. Just looking around at the teams early on in their non-conference slates, but I. I Maybe maybe it's the person that gave the ten million anonymous gift, whoever that was. James, what do you think? Yeah, Tillman would be the only name I could think of that would possibly do it. Um, unless, like, unless Andy said it's an anonymous person that doesn't want to be known, because it's it's hard to think of many UH boosters that you know have that kind of money, at least that are known to us. Um, I still don't know exactly if Tillman would do it. I think. If they were going to make a move, it would have been it should have been at the end of last season um, because you want to give, you know, you would want to give the new head coach one year to get prepared for the Big 12 rather than just throwing him under the fire um, in the Big 12. So I I doubt Holgerson will be even if it's a five and seven year, I doubt anyone will pay that and that Holgerson will be gone. I, I, I'm I bet that he's still the head coach um, come next year. But yeah, um other than Fertitta, there's not really a name that pops to my head. And let me be clear, if folks are just joining us on Folks Talk Sports, Folks Talk Sports, <clears throat> I'm not predicting you race to go five and seven. Okay, this worst is case scenario. Worst case scenario. That's the bottom fell out and they finished with a losing record. So worst case scenario, would a UH booster decide to eat that contract and buy out Dana and say he's got to go? That's a complete worst-case scenario. News. Thursday, September 8th, UH and TDECU announced a partnership extension that will allow Houston's largest credit union, Will, TDECU, to maintain naming rights of the TDECU stadium and expand the support through at least 2034 with a new financial investment exceeding $20 million. Andy James, what are your thoughts on that? 
James, you got it or I'll go first. You got it. Yeah. So I think overall the the interesting thing about that that um, extension naming rights thing again heading into the game against Texas Tech, um, Chris Pesman, the the athletic director, like you said, the vice president of college athletics for for Houston and overall University of Houston president Renew Couture, they really talked about how the, what they were kind of envisioning is to continue to build on the momentum, kind of be able to establish stability when it comes to TDCU and that contract. And I think really the big thing about that, like you mentioned, Chris, the investment is an interesting phrase that they've used um, with the extension of the naming rights of TDCU Stadium because 14, I think just over 14 million of those 20 or over 20 there were, a part of the deal are going to go for the football development center that the new football development center that um, they is essentially kind of the anchor of the Houston rise fundraiser that they started over in the summer. So that was something that they were really high on. And then I think another interesting point, um, the remaining six or so um, million are going to go to programs across the university, not just necessarily on athletics. So I think it was a, an interesting way how they were able to come together to, to use that money that was, Brought off, it was brought up off just the TDCU stadium naming rights, and um, that's it, it. It was much more um, it's interesting to hear how they they kind of envisioned it and, and talked through that deal. And the other thing, they still had um, two years, two years until the original contract expired. I know that was something that was brought up by um, some UH fans, some UH followers that were questioning, you know, um, heading into the Big Twelve, and the best you could do was twenty mil, so essentially two million per per year that was some concerns that were brought up by the UH fans but I think overall I think Houston was much more kind of focused and and really like that they were able to use 14 mil of those for that football development center James you have the last word on this and then we can talk about Commissioner Yormark coming to town on Monday yeah um Andy hit on most of the main points there I think again like he said it's about building this momentum for the Houston Rise campaign because They've talked about how they need this football operations center to get built, and they, they're only a third of the way through, Pesman said now, so they're looking for anything. Um, one thing that uh, was mentioned as well with the 10-year deal, uh, that there's a mutual option after those 10 years for an extra five if both agree. I don't know the exact financials on that, but that's that was just also an interesting point and something to keep in note. Um, Apparently, I didn't know this going into it, but they also had that on the original deal, but they which but they wanted to rework things, which is where they got to the 10, 20 mil. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, they're just it's just another way for them to try to, you know, show that the Houston Rise campaign is gaining momentum and try to encourage other donors to pitch their pitch in their share. All right. Last week, Mr. Willie Gibson brought up during the Dana Hogerson media availability, he saw a Starbucks cup on the table next to Coach Hogerson throughout the press session. Well, last Monday, there was no cup. And Saturday after the game against Texas Tech, there were water bottles, no Starbucks. So, Mr. Gibson, kudos to you, sir, for ringing it up. I mentioned it to UH. And um, maybe they realized or simply called them and said, hey, what's going on here or whatever. But that's been resolved. So thank you, sir, for that. Tomorrow, 
<clears throat> Monday, Brett Yormark will be in town. He's going to talk to the media. Uh, but after Coach Hogerson's session, James, will you be there? Yes, I will be at both Dana and Yormark's availabilities. Andy, will you be there? So will I. Uh-oh. Will, I'm going to be there, too. Oh, wow. So three-fourths of folks talking sports is going to be in the building. They might hey, be in trouble credential, tomorrow. Credential me, man. I'll get a flight. Let's yeah. Go. Need to make it happen, you know, <laughs> going to the budget. Get Tony M and Wild Citizens to chip in, get Will a ticket to come uh, join us Monday to talk to Commissioner Yormark. Let, let's let's save that for Final Four. We'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make it happen. But, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm not – I, Commissioner Yormark is going to, you know, do a little site visit, tour around the facilities. He'll be in meetings. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 meetings. I don't want to know about his thoughts on that because it's going to be fluff. You know, wow, this is an impressive facility. It looks great, you know, whatever. <clears throat> I want to know what is it, the timetable on extension with negotiations with, between the Big 12, ESPN, and Fox. That's what I want to know. Is it, you know, end of the month, this week? What's the time? To, that's what I want to know. Tony, I see you. We got to get Andy on. Andy's the money, the, the deal maker. We got to get Andy on, talk to Shipley, make it happen for uh, FTS. Although we do have a sponsor lined up for in, uh, in November. So we're, if we can get somebody next few weeks to get us to November, hey, we're all for it. But um, Shipley, I got some money you want to give FTS. Here we are. But yeah, Andy, James, any questions? Will, any questions you want us to ask? Try to ask Brett Yomark tomorrow. Um, no, 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 uh, no, no. Andy, James, y'all have anything in mind you want to ask him? I mean, yeah. don't, or go ahead, Andy. No, you're, you're, you're there. Okay. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say, I know Pesman already said they're still planning on, you know, a nine game, non game conference schedule football wise. I was just going to see even with these new schools, if they're still considering a, a sort of division thing at all, um, or if they're just going to keep it, you know, one big uh, group and you rotate around. Um, that would be my, I mean, the main thing obviously is the TV deal, um, but that would be my other question that I'd be interested in uh, learning about. Andy, how about you? No, yeah, kind of the other thing that would kind of build on your question that, that you mentioned that would be about a timeline with ESPN and Fox about being able to negotiate a new TV deal. I'd be curious, depending on what his answer would be on that, if um, they aren't able to come to agreement, how, you know, how much focus or how much emphasis or how much value the Big 12 season being able to get uh, and, and offers from an open market, not necessarily just ESPN and Fox, and kind of where his standpoint is of where the value of the Big 12 is as a whole currently right now, um, once they do lose Texas and OU, that's probably the biggest question. That's a good question. We'll see what the, uh, what the format will be tomorrow. <clears throat> Try to post the comments on Twitter as well as on my YouTube channel. Mr. Gibson. Yes, sir. You covered a team that won today. Yeah. What was that like? Their first week one win in, what, 17 years? Yeah, uh, no. Yeah. 18. 18 years. Okay. 2004 was the last time. 
What was it like? This, this the city went crazy. Even though it was on the road, the city went crazy because, as you said, 2004 was the last time this team went opener, and it was against the former starting quarterback, who made some comments who he, that he thought were off the record, but the uh, media person made them public, and I added a little mm-hmm. fuel to the fire. So, um, yeah, big win for it. And it's the way they won because – they were up 20 to 7 going into the fourth quarter. Top of the Cleveland Browns against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Cleveland was up 27 going into the fourth quarter. And they slowly but surely, people were saying, same old Browns. Same old Browns because they uh, gave up a blown coverage, gave up a 75 yard touchdown pass. Baker Mayfield to Robbie Anderson. They gave him another touchdown. Uh, they were down, to, they were up two. And Carolina got the ball and kicked the field goal to go up 24-23. And so Jacoby Brissett, that was giving him grief for what he played. He's a game manager. He played the way he was expected to play. Mm-hmm. Threw for 147 yards, threw a touchdown. He's a game manager, 13-24, I want to say. He's a game manager. He did his job. Now, the issue is they didn't expect him to have to play 11 games. Right. And therein lies the issue because people are – panicking right now like they're calling for joshua dobbs week one already the backup and uh everybody loves the backup will oh without question until the backup starts (laughs) exactly exactly so uh but they he he put together a drive and cade york this kid lsu rookie kicker fourth round draft pick 58 yards with eight seconds to go to win the game so I mean, Nick Chubb did his thing, 141 yards, 22 carries. Uh, Kareem Hunt, rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown. But K. York, to say the kicker is the hero literally because this team hasn't had a kicker since Bill Dawson left. And for the kicker to kick a 58-yarder, less than 10 seconds left in the game, to go 1-0 for the first time since 2004. Victory Monday. And fans, NFL fans, Saw the struggles from other kickers across the league in the, in the noon games. Oh, yep. Like every other game, struggles yep. from NFL kickers. Including Indianapolis. Yep. And, Will, you talked about a team, the Browns, had a 20-7 to lead, lost it, and won. Yep. The Texans had a 20-3 to lead. Yep. Right. And tied. <laughs> Hey, they're still they're still first place in the AFC South tied because Tennessee and Jacksonville lost, <laughs> and Jacksonville lost to the Commanders. Yeah, Ugh. go figure on that well, one. Tennessee there. Tennessee lost to New York, the Giants. Yeah, Saquon right. two point conversion. So how about the the NFC least man? I, I think the Eagles beat the Lions, the Commanders won. Y'all say the Giants won. That's three. How about that? They're far, far, far cry from the being Cowboys, the, the Cowboys play Sunday night football. So yeah, whatever. That's, could, that's, the, that's the Cowgirls. Who cares about them? Whatever. You know. Could be undefeated NFC East heading into see, Monday night. See, leave it to the Cowgirls to uh, lose and, and ruin the perfect weekend for the NFC East. That's probably going to happen because they're the Cowgirls. Mm-hmm. They do things uh, like that. You know, I'm a hate. I'm a hate because I'm, hey, it's what I've done for 30 years. <laughs> oh my God, 35 years. Hate them, hate them, hate them. Well, I always hate him, but I, I digress. But okay, Mr. Gibson, Ohio State. Yes, sir. The Ohio State. 
Who they play yesterday? Arkansas State of the Sun Belt. So, so a Sun Belt team did lose yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it took one point eight million out the coffers to do it. We do it right, unlike Texas A&M and uh, Nebraska. Yeah, them too. And probably Notre Dame. Yeah, one point two five. Notre Dame gave Marshall to, to take that L from them. <clears throat> yep. Coach Freeman's in trouble. Well, I'm gonna say he's in trouble, but. Three, no, three losses to start his first three games in Notre Dame. He's, he's on three for the first you know, time in history of Notre Dame football. Man, yeah, that's true. But they love him in Notre Dame. They love him in South Bend. Yeah, he's, he's not in trouble. It's just a bad look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. And his recruiting class in twenty three is fire. I, you know, by unbiased opinion, looking at it from afar, he has some kids coming in next year that are going to turn it around quick. Uh, we're about to wrap it up here in Folks Talking Sports. Well. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Have you seen news of Coach Wes Miller at the Bearcats, who he's talking to talent-wise, making visits or 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 in the in the the home of talented players? No, no, I don't. I don't have any. Regret. I can't. I can't tell you the kids' names, but I think one of them is. The top player in the twenty-three class, something like that. They're on a short list. He's he's talking to like two or three top top tier of players in in, in high school for the Bearcats. So it'd be great from a Big Twelve perspective bringing that talent competition. I think all four of us have said it. Man, I am looking so forward to U eights and Cincinnati in the Big Twelve basketball wise. Man, yeah. it is it's getting better and better. The Cougs had a have on campus now an official visit for 6'9", 230, junior college All-American. He's in town right now. Got to learn, teach him how to do it. Go Cougs, C-O-O-G-S, not mm-hmm. C-O-U-G-S. But, hey, 6'9", 230. His favorite player, favorite player was Penny Hardaway, so that might be a concern. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, say, so he's, he's getting – Offers got an offers from top top tier program, not just Houston and Memphis. So we'll see what what that how that plays out. But James, back to it. In case you missed it earlier in the show, <laughs> James Mueller, this Saturday coming up, Houston Cougars, Kansas Jayhawks football line right now is nine. Cougs favored by nine. James Mueller, what do you say, James? What is it? I guarantee you, UH covers. Guarantee. That's the least. That's a double-digit win. And why do you say that, James? I just think they'll come out a little more motivated. Um, and it's the home opener, and I think they will. I think Kansas will keep it closer than you typically expect. But I just think some something about last week not sitting right with them will just sort of start a fire in them and they'll, they'll come out and, you know, try to try to show people that they're, they're still the team that they expect to be. Give, give us a final score. Uh, 41, 24. Wow. Okay. And will the Cougs wake up in the first half and score more than 10 points? Yeah. They'll they'll put up like 
17 to 21 points, I'd say. They're going to come out. They're going to come out and make a statement. Okay. You you see it all right there on, on going across the screen. JDM2186 is his Twitter account. So, but yeah, you know. Call me out if I get it wrong, but. Tony M does not have confidence in that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm predicting. I know I'm not predicting. No, no, no. I'm just going to stick with. I think the Cougs should beat Kansas. But I'm kind of waffling. I will not be shocked if they lose to Kansas because the first two games, I just, I'm not confident in the play calling. I'm just, you know, they're so conservative. Maybe if they open up the playbook from the start of the game and more aggressive, that makes make a big difference. We don't know how, how bad West Virginia is, but I mean, Kansas scored what? 56. 50, something yeah. like that against. Yeah, West 56. Virginia. Yeah. So, I mean, their offense seems to be pretty good. So it might be a shootout, James. And if it's a shootout, then a double-digit win may not be as likely. But it's all good. Tony Tony M says go Coog. So he's just – he's not confident as you are. He's concerned about the play calling as well for the Cougs. But we'll see. We'll see if – we'll see how much pride motivates the Cougs. Because, you know, sometimes pride is all it takes for at least a game to get the guys to cut off all the crap and the mistakes and lack of discipline and, and get it right. So we'll see. It might that be a wake-up call. Yep, could be a wake-up Qu- call. Question, question. I, I know in a couple of years this will be a conference game, but Kansas coming to Houston, is this, is this a, a check game? Uh, I probably, doubt probably, it. Probably. But I mean, not. Not, not huge. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. We, I'm just yeah. curious. Can't afford Have it, they though. played at Kansas before? <clears throat> Not recently. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I don't know, like, if the they had a home, home scheduled or something. Yeah. So, all right, gentlemen. James, thank you for the guarantee. It always It's always good to add some spice to the show. And let's go to Mr. Guarantee. As uh, Go to you first to close out this edition of Folks Talking Sports. How can folks find you, sir? The yeah, world, oh, uh, Will. Will, the case... Well, we had technical issues with him. Well, we got on, you know, late. James was in Lubbock yesterday. Okay. And drove. So he's young, Will. He drove, made the drive. He's back here. He said he's tired, but he joined us because he's a trooper. He's young like that. He can handle it. But what's uh, what's what's the drive? It's a nine-hour drive. About nine uh-huh. hours. Are you kidding? I cut it in half. We we <laughs> went from Houston to Fort Worth because my grandparents lived there, and then. Fort Worth to Houston's or Fort Texas Houston to, is huge. Yeah. But it, it's a long, it was a long day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank, you, thank you, Tony, for your comments. We appreciate it. Um, and watch Let's Raid Cougs. Andy's going to have to make a plan of what he's going to do to cover Saturday's game because it's a home yeah. game. We'll, we'll discuss it, some options. We'll make that work too. Let's Raid Cougs will be on this Saturday after the KU UH game. And, and Andy, if the Cougs Cover, cover the spread, and James is able to join the show. Got to give him some love. Let's <laughs> rage Cougs doing that. But okay, once again, James, how can folks find you on social media? Did we cut him? James, can you hear us? Yeah. Um, there we go. Wait, can you all hear me? Yeah, yes, sir. Now, yeah, go ahead. 
Okay. Sorry, I was I was frozen for a sec. Um, yeah, but okay, no problem. Uh, as you can, yeah, as you can see, you can follow me on uh, social media at JDM two one eight six. Be sure to you know call me out if I get this pick wrong. Um, I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb, but um, yeah, follow me there, and then thedailycougar.com for all my work regarding any UH athletics coverage. Next, Willie Gibson, you got it, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at uh, at Will Gibson Seven. Um, and uh, James, as my big brother AJ Jones tells me all the time, keep your phone on because <laughs> Saturday's coming. <laughs> Andy, you got it. You're next. For sure, people can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Um, for UH coverage, obviously, of course, be sure if you haven't been able. That's the other thing. I was uh, kind of curious. We had a bit down, or, um, down in viewership at have for Let's Rage Cougs presented by Five Star Properties after the loss. A lot of fans did not want to talk, but I found that curious off a, uh, albeit a frustrating loss, but be sure to ch- check it out this upcoming Saturday. Win, lose. Um, I guess there's no draw in college football, but hopefully it's not another overtime game after the first two seasons. First yep. two games of the season have been overtime games, um, which can certainly be exhausting. I know James mentioned it when he when he hopped on there and that's Rage Cougs. He had to rewrite his his um, article a few times and also be sure to check out Pot Slime Jamma now owned by Let's Rage Cougs. Uh, we now have 100% ownership of that, so be sure to follow the Pot Slime Jamma YouTube account. That's P A W D S L A M A J A M A. And on that note, Chris, if you allow me to. Add this on the overlay, and I have no idea how this is going to look, but we are doing a ticket giveaway on the screen. Um, so oh. be sure to check out Pod Slam Jamma on Twitter. We have two tickets courtesy of Hoop and Holler Houston, who um, was the sponsor of the uh, special hotline, the, the special guest hotline on yesterday's That's Rage Coops um, when James got on the show. We have two tickets, Section 105, which is the UH side. Winner will be picked on Tuesday at 6 p.m. In order to be able to enter for the contest, you just have to follow us on Twitter at Podstime Jam or follow at Hoop and Holler Houston on Twitter. I'd like you to see it on the screen. That's Hoop, H-O-O-P-N-H-O-L-L-E-R-H-O-U on Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like I mentioned, that's Podstime Jam on YouTube. And follow Let's Rage Cougs on Instagram. Um, so we're trying to build that brand and that awareness for the Let's Rage Cougs, um, for the Let's Rage Cougs brand, because that's obviously the, the most thing we're trying to get as many eyeballs as possible. And also be sure to check out my online print work for University of Houston Gallery Sports. Mattress Mac launched his own uh, sports website, and I cover the UH Athletics once again for them on a print platform. And it's going to be a busy week, like you mentioned, Brett Yormark comes to town. On Monday, Dana Holgerson's going to have his press conference on Monday, so there's going to be a lot of content. Great job, Andy, on on uh, dealing with, with everything live on Let's Rage Cougs on Saturday. You, you pulled it off, did a great job. Question. Ooh, Do fans need to get no. to follow all four of those to be eligible for tickets? Or just yes, one sir. of those four? All four. All, all four. Okay. Smart. Build, build up that brand. Yes, sir. Build up that following. We're gonna P-A-W-D? Say well. Is that it? P-A-W-D? P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A. Follow. Okay, what's next? IG. I'm going to get them. <laughs> I'm coming. Get those tickets. All right. Last. Please believe it. And least, me, uh, Chris Gardner, Houston Round Bar Review on Twitter, ZHR Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, 
Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. I'm getting back into my YouTube shorts. So the more and more, be sure you follow me, subscribe to the YouTube channel for the content. I'm going to start plugging my guys' shows like Andy's show, Les Rage Coogs, as well as A.D. Moore on his Ad Max Corner Texans Talk. Other things in the pipeline. Maybe need to see if we get James to talk some baseball or something for his own show, whatever, going forward yeah. for him. So, it's about to be MLB postseason. So, so yeah. Exciting time for broadening out, doing big things. Rockets Media Day, Cleveland Cavs Media Day is coming up September 26th. So, looking forward to that. As always, Spider- guys, thank you very much for your insight to our commenters on YouTube, Tony M, and Wild Citizens. Thank you, as always. Folks following us on Twitter at Folks Talk Sports. Thank you, as always. Been a great conversation, a lot of fun. Learned a lot. Hope you did too. Until I do it again, guys. Next Sunday, you good for six p.m. Central. Mm, might have to be six thirty Central time. Uh, we'll, we'll make it work. Will, what time did the Browns play? That's uh, one p.m.'s home, so it's a travel. Will I'll, okay. I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, no problem. We'll make it work. All right, guys. Till next week. You guys take care. Peace. <laughs>